The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You are listening to this is Cruise Radio Rewind. Real reviews from real cruisers. So Tommy Casabona, host of the Always Be Booked podcast, just returned from a four-night cruise on Norwegian Sky, the very last cruise to Cuba, actually, and he joins us on the line. Hey, Tommy. Hey, what's up, Doug? How you doing? Good, man. Can't wait to uh, talk about the ship and the whole Cuba angle here. But before we get to that, as we always do, we're going to take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. What made you want to take this four-night cruise to Cuba? Well, you know, the stars aligned and the lack of uh, current employment as well as the right pricing on the sailing. And you know that Norwegian sky will always get you with the all-inclusive angle too. You know what I mean? By the way, how does that work? So they are – say you get the rate like a 169 rate or whatever, 289 rate. Do you have to pay extra like you do for a drink package when you get that the all-inclusive perk? Or I, I guess like it's an all-you-can-drink ship, right? Like, Well, yeah, but they still do the whole sail-away thing. But the sail-away will just apply to your, uh, you know, the, the dining. So what I mean? So the sail-away category, which on most Norwegian ships says, okay, you know what? That's sail-away. You don't get anything. Now you got to ang- angle up to get the inside. But – you know, then you get the drink package. That's when it activates. On this particular ship, you get on that ship, you're drinking for free. And I was the same way. I was like, you know, there's got to be a catch. This is the second time I've done it. Uh, but I was like, there must be some sort of a catch. There must be like, okay, just well or very select items. Or maybe there is that whole gratuity or service charge they add on. Absolutely not. This is for real. The Norwegian Sky, if you get on that ship, you're drinking for free the minute you walk on. Will they serve you Tito's? Yeah, that's the thing too. So you get the Tito's. You don't get the Grey Goose, the Crown Royal, the Patron, that type of stuff. But you do have that, you know, they're not going to put you right to the right to the well where you know what that is. That's a four-day hangover. So you make your way down to the cruise pier down. You're up in uh, Boca and you go down to Miami to board the ship. How was your embarkation process? Well, the embarkation process on that particular ship is always pretty yeah, – it's, it's, it's a little slow. Let's just say that. Now, I'll just say this, back it up just a little bit if you don't mind. I'm going to give a strong recommend to anybody out of Fort Lauderdale or West Palm. The Brightline is a freaking incredible option. It's like you know they give you options, $20, $25, or $30. I think $20 is whatever, the railroad sail-away version. The $25, you're getting you – know, you're getting a – cocktail each we got a champagne split each to celebrate the fact that we're going on this cruise and you get a snack and very clean very smooth and like it's like almost like a bullet train uh so the the bright line is a strong recommend for me oh also they just got taken over by by virgin so uh they're going to be uh uh maybe partnering up with virgin but if you're sailing msc for, for right now, if you're sailing MSC, they have a package where they will kind of give you a all-inclusive thing where you know you get the Brightline option with the cruise package, and 
you can check your baggage in on the train and you don't see it again until it's in your stateroom. Back up just for a second here. When you got off the bright line, how close to the pier does it drop you off? Not far at all. It's uh, pretty close to the Marlin Stadium. And then it's, um, it's probably, let's just say, a 9 to $11 cab ride over to the, to the terminal. So you walk on board Norwegian Sky. What were your first impressions? Well, like I said, it was the second time I was on the ship. And again, we've talked about a couple of cruise ships in the past, Doug, that where you have to kind of go into the mode where you manage your expectations. This is a ship that, what is it, 1999 or something like that, it kind of debuted in. You would think, all right, this is going to be a real clunker. But it's so well-maintained. The decor is beautiful. I don't know when the last refurb was, but you know, there's no weird smells or anything like that. The atrium, while not overly impressive, it's really neat, really uh, kept very well, and it's just very comfortable. It's a really comfortable ship if you're not expecting zip lines and split decks and things like that. You know what I'm saying? So did you find that ship easy to navigate, though? Like once you got on board, did you like were you able to get your bearings straight? Or a lot of people say that ship and Norwegian Sun ha- is kind of a difficult to navigate, and it takes you a couple days to kind of figure out where you're going. Did you find that? You know, I did. I did find that, but I thought it was just me. <laughs> I wasn't really sure which way I was coming to go. And it was kind of, you know, based on where I was, I was like, am I just turned around here? Am I having an off navigation week? But I did feel as though I was kind of wandering a little bit, you know, between. All right, so where's, you always look at the fish on Norwegian, the floor on the mm-hmm. fish. Little uh, pro tip if you uh, want to know which way you're going on a Norwegian ship. The direction of the fish is forward. Uh but they didn't have the salmon. You know how they usually have the salmon that's going upstream on like the other ships? They didn't have that. But getting around the ship, honestly, I, I was going to attribute it to my fault of just kind of having my head up in the clouds or whatever. Kind of sometimes you get on vacation and you turn your brain off. I don't think, based on just taking a step back, there's any reason why the ship should be hard to navigate. Do, do people tell you why they say that? Well, the back dining room is one of them where it's kind of hidden in like you have to go down a back stairwell to get there and then – you're kind of trapped once you get down there. There's like take the stairs out of there. I think there's like a hidden deck maybe where you have to go down. Like I think it might be on deck yes. six maybe, like a half deck. I don't know, just different things like that people have said over the years to me. And um, I'm just curious what your thoughts were on it. So Yes, yes, you're right. It is true. And the fact that you know a lot of uh, – if you're used to Carnival, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, the – the main theater is typically in the front of the ship, right? It is. Yeah, it's always forward. This is in the d- directly in the back of the ship. And then the second main dining room is underneath the main theater, which was kind of weird as well. Uh, and the, But other than that, it really didn't seem to be that difficult to navigate. I mean, it's a fairly small ship, so I feel like you should be able to kind of get around pretty freely, despite the fact that I kind of was a little off. What kind of stateroom did you book, and what did you think of it? We got an inside stateroom, and it was comfortable. Uh, this was a very small stateroom. Uh, we just were not going to spend a lot of time in it. This was a four-day sailing. It was a Cuba sailing. So we were happy to get the bargain basement price, just get on the ship and get going. So Norwegian's known for having probably some of the smallest interior staterooms at sea. You and your buddy were going. Did you find there to be like enough space and plugs and all that for an inside room on Norwegian Sky? Yeah, it was good. It was it was fine. The only issue is my buddy. It's a little tight quarters, so we got in there. You have that nightmare where on your uh, when you're sailing with your buddy, and uh, you know you open it up and you see that one bed. You kind of both look at each other and you get that weird <laughs> oh no, oh hell no feeling. So we had to get the uh, uh, attendant the uh, the um, you know 
the, the room steward to kind of separate that for us. That was no problem. She was very, very nice, very, you know, very accommodative the whole time. The only problem I say is, and he's not going to listen to this, so I have no problem saying it. This kid, I snore, okay? So I snore. I get snoring's fine. This guy is fighting for survival in the middle of the night. He's sleeping. He's snoring like an absolute animal. And uh, that was the only issue. When you're that close to someone who snores at the level that he does, I have to kind of choose my battles when it comes to going to sleep. So we almost like had to alternate sleeps, uh, either that or just drink myself into passing out to kind of be able to deal with his snoring. And I guess as far as close quarters, since you're that close, that's the only thing that affected us. The bathroom on Sky, was it a glass or a uh, plastic curtain? It was a plastic curtain, yeah. You know what I mean? It's a little tight in there, especially with me. I'm sort of a little on the heavy set side, uh, depending upon what cruise I'm on. And, uh, yeah, sometimes you, you close that cylinder and you feel like one of those, uh, you know, Western Union capsules flying <laughs> yeah. through the air. Let's talk about dining on this four-night sailing. Did you get any dining packages, or was it just basically straight-up main dining room and buffet for you? Nothing. Not even main dining room. We talked about maybe doing the main dining room, but you know, on this sailing, it, it just wasn't in the cards. I remember last time he went with us. It was three of us last time, and believe it or not, Doug, three of us, <laughs> three grown men in our 40s, uh, jammed ourselves into one of those uh, interior – Norwegian staterooms and that was rough we wouldn't do that again so the two of us went and uh the one thing we said about dining was that it just took so long you know what I'm saying there was so much we were having so much fun on the ship there was so much to do running around uh I didn't want to get bogged down with a two hour plus meal and that's the one thing I would say last time we did the sky it was just that the process for dining it seemed like it was like you know like an hour before sunset when we sat down and then it felt like the night was almost over by the time we were able to get out of there. So we really kept it simple. We did the buffet the, uh, for, for all four nights. Do they have the sports bar like in Oshihans on this one? So Oshihans is not what it is. Oh, man, I'm sorry. I'm forgetting. Was it like Topsiders or something like that? No, Topsiders is the uh, – I believe Topsiders is the main pool bar. They make it the equivalent of the Oshi Hands. Now, Oshi Hands is typically proximal to the atrium on most Norwegian ships. Mm -hmm. This particular ship, it's in the back. It's almost like where the uh, the uh, Japanese restaurant and the steakhouse are, uh, Cagney's. It's a little bit, you know, proximal to that, and, and it's it's smaller. And it's uh, it's very comfortable. It's a very, very nice place to watch a game. There was NBA playoffs and NHL playoffs and stuff on there. Now, I'll say the service isn't great in there. Now, I'm, you know, listen, I'm not complaining about the ship, the ship or the trip at all. But, you know, expectations. Expectations is where it's at. And again, on a ship of that caliber, that old, that small, you, you, you go and, you know, even on Oshihans. I don't know last time you were at an Oshihans and you got great service. Uh, typically, when it's you know, table service and everything is free. That seems a little too good to be true, you know, anyway, for me, besides the main dining room, it's a specialty restaurant that you don't have to pay for. So the the drawback to that place is that you have to get up and you have to make people aware that you're there. You may have to get a drink from the bar, even though you're getting table service, but it really wasn't an issue with us. We were, we were, we were having a good time, having fun. And as far as what they have to offer, yes, it is a lot of Oshihan stuff, the good nachos and those wings that I know you love and so do I the Thai chili wings. Yeah. They have all that stuff in there. And it's a very comfortable spot. 
How about the buffet? What does I always get this confused with between Royal Caribbean and Norwegian? What does Norwegian call their buffet area? Garden Cafe, Garden Cafe I believe it is. Yeah, how was that? Well, it was good. You know, it's different in this place. It's almost like home-cooked meal. It's almost like you're going to uh, your your uh, your grandmother's house for, for family dinner or whatever, whereas a lot of the newer ships or the, or the semi-newer ships, it's almost like, you know, big, huge stations or big, huge chafing dishes that sit around for a while. In this in, – on this particular ship on the sky, it's smaller. You know, they're rotating stuff out quicker. They don't have as much of an option as you might get on some of these other sail- uh, uh, these other ships. But the food is good. It was decent. It was good. It was fresh. It was, uh, you know, it, it went fast. And it, it just didn't seem like, uh, you know, this mass pro- – it didn't seem as mass produced and kind of like um, – I don't know, just kind of microwave and heat it up and go. It really felt that the quality was a little bit higher. Do they – this might be, sound like a stupid question, but do they serve like if you are eating breakfast in there or you're having lunch or dinner, are there people walking around you know, offering you coffee in there or filling your drink up or is it kind of pretty much get your own in there? No, they don't do that. You know, I know a lot of the newer ships, especially the Windjammer and things like that, they'll do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Sky didn't do it. They were very, very good as far as cleaning up. Like if you were done, you didn't sit around with a plate. They got the plate and your napkin and your glass out of your way. So, you know, you can go up there, get your fresh plate and get back at it. Is there a pizza joint on the sky? No, the pizza, I'll tell you what. So I'll say one more thing about the buffet. So this ship, out of all the ships that I've been on recently, and I've been on some of the nicer ones that are out there, the, the late night food situation, if you're like me and you do what I do and you kind of get after it with the drinks, you want something to mop up that liquor at the end of the night, this is the best ship for that because they shut down the regular buffet, but they also have what's called the great outdoors. And it's a little bit more, if you could even imagine, more modest version of what you'd find on the already modest inside buffet at the uh, Garden Cafe. But it's good bar food. It's like, you know, it's like chicken wings. It's uh, burgers. It's, you know, potato salad, macaroni salad. It's asparagus. It's There's healthy options. There's really kind of real solid, greasy bar food options. And that's what reminded me to answer your question. That's where your pizza is. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, being a New York City pizza snob, no, the pizza isn't what you're going to grab first. Let's talk about entertainment on this four-night cruise. How was it? Entertainment, we didn't do too much of. There was a comedian on the ship, and he was literally telling. I mean, like, uh, it was like, I don't know if you've ever heard of, uh, you know, the, the 1950s Catskills Henny Youngman type uh, jokes, the one-liners and things like that. You got a lot of those. He was telling, like, joke jokes where you have to answer, well, no, how big was it? Or, you know, he was, like, telling, like, you're not. It was the stand-up comedy on it wasn't, you know, something that, I would gravitate towards too. Again, talking about from New York City and all the comedy clubs you have there, and like the variety that you have, and you know where stand-up comedy is almost like in a boom right now. So you get spoiled. Uh, so yeah, sitting through that stuff was not necessarily going to be an option. The shows were very basic as well. I poked my head into a couple. It was a little, you know, they were fine. They were okay. Uh, but the uh, roving band was phenomenal. I mean, these guys. I personally, I got to text you. I got to send you some of the uh, some of the footage of you know they had a country night. It was nine o'clock to nine fifty in the uh, Bliss Lounge, which is the nightclub. Man, you couldn't. They were. They had. A, they had the whole place two stepping. They were singing country roads. 
and you just got the feeling that these guys are doing it off of just red sheet music. They don't even know what they're playing, but amazing. And then the, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know, something about six-piece band. The band on there, I forgot the name of the band as well. Uh, shame on me, but this uh, Filipino woman took the microphone and did a version of uh, whether you want to say Whitney Houston or Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. She brought the house down, Doug. I mean, when I tell you, standing ovation from the entire room, I don't know where they find these people that are so good and so talented musically. A lot of times that roving band that goes from you know the promenade to by the pool and to the wherever they're a lot better than the performers in the main theater they really are i mean i don't get a whole lot of a taste for the for the main theater performers the show lounge performers but these this band this band in particular and i found that norwegian really does a great job with that i don't know what their you know recruiting process is but norwegian does a great job with that roving five or six piece kind of multi-purpose band they had a piano guy i'll say this too i mean they had a a Latin drummer with a Latin keyboardist and singer. Very rarely do I say a musical artist is pretty bad on a ship. They were not good, no offense, <laughs> just kind of being honest with that. And the piano guy was good, I guess, at the piano, but he was just one of those guys who was too much with the quips. I mean, he's he's just trying to fish for material. I saw him by about four or five times. I walked by him four or five times. I saw him pick a woman out of the crowd and said, oh, look how pretty she is, just so he can break into there. She is Miss America on the piano. Oh, boy. So it was a little bit rough. Yeah, a little bit cheesy with that. And that's just me being honest. You know, it was a lot. He had a he had a lot of people following him around. You know what I mean? He had a, you know, and they were mostly, you know, above the uh, of the of the 75 and above demographic but it wasn't bad it wasn't it wasn't an, it wasn't not talented but it was a little cheesy for me you know i used to be a big fan of the piano bars but i mean like you just said it it's kind of turned into like this dog and pony show now right yeah and it's i i like it if it's done in a cool way mm-hmm. like howl at the moon a lot of people are biting off the howl at the moon concept where you know it's high energy it's rock and roll people singing back and forth it gets a little edgy you know what i mean they'll get a little dirty with it which kind of like cracks me up a little bit here and there but you know the guys three or four times and the guy goes you know they got me involved in a bit one time i was standing at the bar and uh he's like you at the bar because he saw me on my cell phone and he's screaming and everybody looks at me. He's like, why don't you give her a call? Look how pretty she is. And I just scream back, no, nah, I only text. And, you know, then they, they didn't even, I don't think that that crowd really knew, even knew what was texting was. But um, it was just, yeah, it was just a little, little that was a little rough, that at that angle. How was the ship as far as crowds and congestion on the sea days? You know, it was, it was, you're, you're naturally going to expect a little congestion on the sea days, especially because, uh, you know, it was just, they, they're going to try to sell that thing out all the time and it's everybody's drinking and there's a lot of people kind of – it's the type of ship where it's 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 not an expensive cruise. So you're going to get a lot of um, younger people and a lot of people who are very kind of vibrant. There was a lot of <laughs> bringing your own Bluetooth boom boxes around. <laughs> I didn't have a problem with any of it. Uh, it was OK. It was fine. The one weird thing, the difference between um, – you know, I'll tell you what, Doug, it's not it's not it's not good nowadays to be a smoker in this day and age, I guess, because my friend is a smoker. And last time there was about three or four places throughout the ship besides the casino outdoor spots where you can where you can smoke. And uh, this was relegated to champs and champs is the bar at the very top of the ship. So there's nowhere else for the smoke to go but up. But it's this small little kind of bar that's on the opposite end of the pool bar. 
and uh, you had to go all the way up to deck 12, very top bar if, if you were a smoker, and that was the only spot you were allowed to. Uh, they actually took a couple of spots away from the last time I had been on that ship. But in all fairness, it is a small ship, though, too, so you kind of want to get everybody in one spot. Believe me, I was fine with it. Yeah. I, I, I'm not into it, but yeah, that's uh, – it's one small area, and then that was it. But yeah, I guess you're right. You know, you have to consider the fact that it's a tiny ship, and it can kind of really travel, kind of take over the whole thing if you allow it to be in three or four different places. Yeah, back to the bar thing for a moment. Do they have like a bar district or bar central or whatever Norwegian bar calls city? It? Yeah, no, yeah, they don't have the bar city. This is a much smaller ship than uh, is is going to be able to accommodate a bar city. But the Bliss nightclub is a great venue, and and we've talked a couple of times about sometimes getting back to the basics with these ships. And I think the, a lot of you know, for me in my particular uh, cruising style. I like the fact that you know what I I'll let you say what I don't like a little bit sometimes is when they put too many venues on a ship and they make all of them so nice it's like okay there's three thousand people maybe of which uh, three hundred of them will be still out after midnight which I am one of them and it's like nobody knows where to go, where to go because it's just diluted. Mm-hmm. When you have a ship like this, you have the Bliss Lounge, which is the nightclub of the ship. It's a great room. It's uh, multi-purpose. You could do performances in there. It can act as a nightclub, and uh, everybody knows that's where you go. That's that's where everybody's going. And it was a great time. So that was a great venue as far as the bar goes. Now they took the um, what room was it? I don't remember what it was called. I think, but it, they, there's also a room called the uh, the Mojito Bar, mm-hmm. and. Uh, People seem to like that. They did a lot of the Latin stuff in there as well. And um, another room that was popular was uh, the – oh, I said it in the last time. I don't know what they used to call this room, but I said, wow, I could see where – because this, this ship I think was uh, built prior to Spinnaker. And I was like, oh, this is like a Spinnaker lounge. Like it looks exactly like a Spinnaker lounge, but it wasn't called the Spinnaker. It was called something like uh, – something that had a nautical term to it. And I was like, I'm surprised they don't call this the Spinnaker. And uh, we got back on the ship this time, went to that room, and it was had all the characteristics of a Spinnaker lounge where it had the dance floor in the middle, the floor-to-ceiling wheel- uh, windows up towards the uh, forward portion of the ship the bar in the back and just kind of just a very, very comfortable room with a piano in there. I thought it was an underused room, quite frankly. All they really did in there was karaoke. Nevertheless, it was very, very comfortable. And the one night we did go in there to karaoke, it was a fun time. And it was a, it was a real comfortable room to be in. And, uh, and I love it during the day too. It's a great place to kind of uh, just kind of watch the uh, waves that are coming and watch the sunrise and things like that. And it also has an outdoor portion too, it's almost like uh, if you've ever been on any of the Royal Caribbean ships where they have that spot that's above the navigational bridge. They call it a secret area, but it's not a secret anymore. They kind of have that in this right outside the Spinnaker Lounge, too, on this ship. You had two ports of call on the sailing. You went to Cuba, to Havana, and Great Sur of Kay. I want to touch on Cuba for a moment because you were pretty much like on one of the last ships that got to call to Cuba – what was it like on the ground over there? It was crazy because when Trump took office, you heard a few things about rumblings about the thing about Cuba, you know, changing or are the improved status changing. But I didn't hear anything since that. So I had no idea that this was even coming down the pipe at all. So we uh, get to Cuba and it's what everybody says, you know what I mean? The whole people to people thing. It's great to experience, you know, the, the, the culture and the people of Cuba. And we had a tremendous guide. She was awesome. Her name was Tia. And uh, she told us that there was some decision that was about to come down either today or tomorrow about, I guess, the future legality of Americans traveling to Cuba. 
And I was like, oh, wow, I didn't hear about that. But either way, and uh, then I get back on the ship. So we did our tour and everything. We get back on the ship for a little, you know, midday, I guess, dinner just to kind of we were planning on going back into Cuba at night. But I started getting texts of people saying, you know, travel to Cuba is no longer legal. Cruise ships can't go. Nobody can go to Cuba anymore. So we're seeing this happen. I'm connecting it with the fact that uh, the tour guide told us that. And I believe I got a text from you saying the same thing. And I'm like, wow, I didn't even know any of this was, was really a thing. So not long after, the captain comes on and addresses everybody and says nobody can get off the ship. And he cites due to world events, nobody's allowed to leave the ship until further notice. We're very, very sorry. So we're all like, holy cow, this is, I don't know. So I'm reading the articles. I'm passing it to the crew. Doug, I passed it to the bartender. He took my phone and started showing his friends behind the bar who are the other members of the crew. And they were all like, wow, wow. they didn't even know that this was going to happen. This was kind of out of left field for everybody. Now, I guess there was some language that was discussed and some kind of last minute policies, uh, you know, where the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed that said, okay, this is what is going to happen now. Now, from now on, anybody who's there, the sailings that are there are fine. So we were able to get back off the ship, which I was hesitant to do, but we did get back off the ship. We were able to finish our regularly scheduled Cuba experience, but it was only us and the Empress of the Seas that were still in port. And as Empress and our ship left the port, so left America's tourism presence in Cuba. Okay, so yeah, Cuba sounds – I mean, since we're talking about it, did you get to ride in the car and do all that? Yeah, last time I did it, I we just kind of winged it. We walked around a little bit, then we got on a double-decker bus, and it was a blazing how we were on the second story of the double-decker bus in the middle of early September. And uh, the tour guide was in Spanish, and it was barely coming through the speakers. So we saw everything, but we didn't really get a Cuba experience. Then we walked around a little bit, went back on the ship, did the same thing later. This time I was determined to get a lot more of a feel. People keep uh, you know, recommending Cuba. You know, the things you hear about Cuba – Cuba is you have to you know it's like going back in time you have to feel just like the energy of Havana and you have to connect with the people I didn't understand any of that when I'm listening to people talk about it I'm listening to everybody say it I'm like I, I don't really don't know what you're talking about Doug when you get there you do you absolutely do 100% the minute you step off the ship it's not like the feeling you get it's palpable it's not like any other port you go to and I've been to the mall in the Caribbean and um it's just a different feeling that comes over to you. You talk to the people. It's I, I kind of equate it to two different things. It's just the contrast, the continuous contrast of beauty and poverty. You know what I mean? You'll see gorgeous palm trees. You'll see the National Hotel. You'll see these perfectly manicured lawns and beaches and things like that with these gorgeous cars that are so well-maintained. And then you'll go on top of these gorgeous rooftops and you'll see nothing but – Buildings that need to be condemned and and shut down and you know and demolished and just people in the street that are like you know they see the tourists walking by and you'll see a 90 year old woman just sitting with a folded table trying to sell you know bottles of water or pretzels to anybody who will walk by so just a constant contrast of just poor poverty and beauty everywhere you look and yes going in the classic car you know. I like to look at the classic cars. I didn't need to sit in it, but for what was it? A couple of hundred bucks between the two of us total to get that full four or five hour experience and get to be able to cover some ground and get a real, I guess, history lesson from these, 
very informative and very, very personable guides. Amazing, amazing experience. So your ship set sail from Cuba and heads to the private island of Great Stirrup K. How was that? It was nice. I'm not going to lie to you. I wasn't going to get off the ship. You know what I'm saying? I was going to relax, but I kind of wanted to maybe record some things, do some video, get some pictures and stuff like that. My nemesis of all nemesises is the tender. I hate the tender, not because I don't enjoy the ride, but just sometimes the lines getting back in particular are just disastrous because you'll have a couple of drinks on the island. You'll sweat it out like you talk about sometimes. You know what I mean? You'll be sitting in that hot sun all day and then you'll just want to do nothing but decide to get back to the ship, get a shower, get in the AC a little bit, maybe have a drink jump in the pool a little bit, but you're not doing that. You're standing in a line and they're doing everything they can. They can't give you enough wet towels and ice pops while you're standing in that line. But I said, you know what? Let me do it late. I'll make it. I'll time it so that I'm not even ready to get back on the ship until the last tender is going to come back. So that's what I pretty much did. Uh, by the time I got out off the ship, I was literally the only one sitting on the top level of the tender. I mean, there might have been another 12 to 15 people on the tender, but sitting on the lower lower level. So I got on the I got on the island and walked around, did a little bit of a lap. I'm not going to lie to you. I did try to do a little bit of investigating on what it would take for me to kind of make the crossing over to uh, Perfect Day at Coco Cay. <laughs> but uh, there was walls, there was guards, there were people. I was not successful in my attempt. I probably even shouldn't even say this, but a strong swimmer could probably do that. I don't think you need to be a strong swimmer. It's like, I think I think you could probably maybe even walk it. It's, it's like the Bering it, Strait, right? It's like you yeah, just it's not far at all. You probably it's, it's just there's guards there, there's people there, there's there's you can't even see it. I walked as far. What would it be? South, I guess, on the island as you possibly could, to where maybe I could at least get the best view of it. But I think when I was geographically most close to it, I wasn't able to see it. No matter what. And in order to even have it be back into my vantage point, I had to walk further away from it. So it wasn't really something that was going to happen. Maybe next time, Doug, I'll get the jet ski and try to make a break for it. (laughs) There you go. Uh, so you make your way back to the ship and you head back to Miami. Well, actually, before we even get back on the ship, Norwegian was supposed to be doing a lot of new enhancements to their private island. Has any of that come to fruition yet? You know, I'm not an expert on Great Stirrup K. I know the last time I was there, there wasn't anything that was necessarily uh, different than this time. You know, they had – it looked like what is zip lines. They're starting to get going. I don't know if they're building them. They didn't seem to be operational, at least at the time that I was there. One thing I did like, I remember last time, is the food was really good. They have a good barbecue and they, you know, they think they serve it till – I think till 2 o'clock and that's it. I missed that. But – um it's really nice. It's just, like I said, it's just some of the other islands and what they're doing to them are out of control. But if you're looking for the beach day, and they even have a place called the uh, Bacardi Bar. I don't know if it's called the Bacardi Bar, but the Bacardi Stand or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they'll actually make a fun experience out of it. They'll get the DJ going. They'll turn it into some sort of a de facto Lido deck, if you will, and kind of get the energy going on there. I've ex- I experienced that last time, not this time, but um, – it was good. You know, they have a, a great reggae band that sits there in their own little shed, and it's almost like they're so dynamic. You could hear them almost, you know, for half the island. And uh, it was like they have a very, very mainstream beach that kind of 
covers a lot of ground with tons of lounge chairs. And then if you continue walking out, you'll be able to come upon uh, much more remote beaches with a little bit more rock formations and then a little bit more inland from that. You'll see the uh, beautiful uh, private cabanas. So I think they do a good job for it. For, for what private islands is supposed to be, they do a great job. It's just a little bit on the basic side. They have a Patron bar. They have a no shortage of bars. And uh, aside from the uh, barbecue stand, again, I missed it again. They weren't serving anymore. They do have a, a taco stand as well. Abaco Taco, I think it's called. Yes. yes. Yes, exactly. I've heard good things about that place, actually. So you make your way back to Port Miami. Um, how was your debark? The debark was so easy. I mean, I think we were a little bit late getting off the ship. I don't realize how. I don't. I mean, I've gotten off of ships after 10, 30, 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and this particular time, we got we were out of there by no later than 9.30. But it still felt like we were like the last people getting off the ship. Maybe they just did a better job of just – with the sky just hustling people out of there but we got we got out of there pretty pretty uh pretty quickly so you um bright lined it back up bright lined it back up absolutely very very comfortable went up to west palm and uh you know smooth any first time tips to offer anyone sailing norwegian sky first time tips on the norwegian sky all i'll say is really really manage your expectations do not expect to be going on these beautiful you know 2.0 amped up cruise ships or anything like that if you love to cruise if you love to be by the sea really take advantage of what it has to offer it's especially you didn't touch on this before but the great outdoors whether you're eating whether you're drinking whatever you're doing i'm a big aft part of the ship guy there is no pool back there but it's two levels and i mean it's just very very comfortable it is canopied up so that you are out of the sun breezes coming through and you just get that beautiful view of the sunset and the wake you can enjoy a meal a cocktail meet people everything back there so that's what i would say enjoy the bliss lounge enjoy the band Enjoy the great outdoors off the back of the ship, and uh, that's about it. Oh, by the way, yeah, I did uh, okay in the casino. Won about five hundred bucks, so uh, that took care of the cruise. Speaking of the casino, we'll have to uh, tackle that as well. Did you notice any smoke issues in or around the casino? I'm going to be honest with you, Doug. I didn't even think you were allowed to smoke in the casino. I didn't even think it until I saw some people smoking. Uh, no, it wasn't bad at all. I think the carpet and everything is relatively new. It's not too bad. I think I don't know when their last dry dock was, but it seems as though uh, it, it really wasn't bad at all. Not bad at all whatsoever. Um, you know, I guess as we as a society become more, I guess, uh, 420 or marijuana friendly, I think people are getting a little bit more, I guess, um, you know <laughs> – Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're taking more risks as far as what they're bringing on board and variously throughout the ship uh before the sailing i did smell a little bit of marijuana here and definitely in those cabanas on the island people were uh taking liberties for lack of better terms and uh but um that wasn't in the casino at all that was just kind of like just a side note that i had noticed but in the casino itself it really was not that bad at all the last refurbishment was february of this year so february 2019 yeah, that'll do it. If you could tell Norwegian one thing about Norwegian Sky, what would that be? I would just amp up the entertainment just a little bit. Maybe a little bit more with the stand-up comedy. Maybe elevate the level of the shows a little bit, something plot-driven or things like that, and just improve the roving entertainment from uh, you know, the soloists, the piano and the guitar people. Leave that band exactly where it is, but everything around that, 
entertainment-wise, is the only thing I think is a little bit to be desired on the ship. Very nice. I've been talking with Tommy Casabona, host of the Always Be Booked podcast. You can check him out over there and also his videos uh, on YouTube now of a tour of Great Star K, right? The video will be up very, very shortly. Uh, yeah, there'll be a video ship tour of the Norwegian sky and a kind of a maybe a last hurrah visit to Cuba video as well. I always appreciate it, Tommy. Have a good one, buddy. Thanks, Doug.